there, I'm Michelle Bunch, and this is Enthusiasm Diaries. Enthusiasm is contagious, and in this podcast, we get to share in the enthusiasm of others and perhaps spark some of our own curiosity along the way. Thanks so much for listening. Well, I am here today with the lovely Amy Bogard. She is a, an artist, a writer, and a teacher. She teaches the art of travel journaling and far fun far-flung places, and she challenges people to pay attention to their surroundings in order to cultivate their inherent creativity, which may have temporarily gone underground. Um, and I love that, and I'm, I'm so glad to have you here, Amy. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Well, I wonder, There's so, we were just talking, there's so many places we could start with all this, but why not I guess, take it back to the beginning just a little bit. Can you share a little bit about your background and how you began to incorporate art into your life? Yeah, I, I have always been artistic. Uh, my mom described me as kind of that that kid you could hand a pencil and paper to, and I was off and running and causing no trouble. So um, I've always had that as like an inherent streak. But um, I wasn't raised in an artful family. We didn't do much museum going or that kind of culture. And so I always felt a little bit odd, odd one out um, and always wanted to be a little more normal and kind of, you know, have a regular job and all that. So I got a teaching degree, um, mm-hmm. but I always had the artful bent. I, you know, made my house look nice or chose wild colors or that kind of thing. And, and eventually the art kind of won out. And I, I did, um, after a few years, just kind of being goofy on my walls and painting things and painting clothes and making things, I decided to go to art school and get a proper degree. Um, but all along I've been keeping sketchbooks and drawing and just kind of making little cartoons to entertain the kids. And I've just always kind of had it. I, I just never really, did anything um, formulaic until people kind of started asking like th- those little sketchbooks that you do on the side that have had nothing to do with my art degree. Um, finally, people were like, would you teach that? And I was like, why would you want to learn to do that? You know, like it, I didn't put, I was doing the same thing to myself that I, that the, the broader culture had done to artists, which is wow. undervalue. And so I started to really take a look at my sketchbooks and my way of, of drawing stuff around me and interpreting happenings and just the world and started really looking at it as valuable. And, and this was kind of popping up all along, um, like sketch journaling in general has become very popular. There's like urban sketchers and sketchbook school and, you know, there's all these these things online now where people are learning to draw. And I was kind of in on the beginning of that and, and began taking groups to, um, Taos, New Mexico, and eventually Antigua, Guatemala, and just kind of sitting in these beautiful places and, and teaching people just some basic drawing and painting skills, but keeping it all in like a little book, like not as like a, we're going to paint masterpieces and put them on the wall. We're just, cataloging our lives and like paying attention to what we pay attention to, which I've come to realize is like, that's the biggie is like, where are we putting our attention? You know? Yeah. And I definitely want to hear more about that because I agree. That's the, that's the biggie. Um, I wonder just to hear a, a tiny bit more about kind of that 
transition because it sounds like mm-hmm. it was this, okay, I'll get a real job quote. Yeah. I'm using our quote. Um, <laughs> and I'll then I'll just do all this other stuff that I actually really love on the side. Was it always just this gnawing in you of like, this isn't the other stuff isn't fulfilling and nothing against teaching, but just for you, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I loved teaching. Um, I had special ed kids in high school and I was really young and I even then knew like a lot of what these kids needed was breakfast, you know, like how can you learn math if you haven't had breakfast? So there was, there was a lot there, but, um, but as much as I loved it, I didn't like the, the administrative end of things, the endless trail of paperwork and all the, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. And, and I was just, I got more out of any daydreaming I was allowed to be doing on the side, Mm. you know, hikes on the weekends and that kind of stuff. And so I, you know, I just kind of, after I had my first child, I just didn't go back to the classroom. Part of it was financial. I knew that I would be paying as much for someone to take care of my kid as I would be Mm -hmm. earning to teach other people's kids. And I was like, at that point, it's a wash. Like I didn't, I wasn't enough passionate about being a special ed teacher to leave my own kid to do it. So I hung out with him for a while and then fairly quickly had another. And all Mm -hmm. through that, you know, just began (laughs) painting on their walls when they would nap. Like the, Mm -hmm. when the babies were napping, I would, I was in there painting murals ever so quietly on the wall. (laughs) I love so, that. Yeah. Just like it's it feels to me like every every moment you could get, you were trying to sneak that in almost. Yeah. Around the yeah. regular life kind of stuff. Again, I'm using those air quotes again. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, for anyone who's had kids, um, you know, it's really wonderful. They're amazing and it's great, but it's also can be boring as hell. Like mm-hmm. it's just monotonous and it's it's wonderful but also really can be, can be kind of lonely, I think for moms mm-hmm. and in a little groundhog day ish, a little groundhog day. Yeah. And, yeah. and so to me, maybe it was like being that bored kid. I, this, this was my pencil and paper and I could go into my mm. imagined world, you know, and paint Peter rabbits on the walls of the kids. Mm. And it just, yeah. it, it made me feel, um, vibrant again, because, you know, as a new mom, sometimes vibrant isn't a word that you would use to describe yourself. (laughs) So, you know, and so slowly but surely Mm -hmm. that kind of, kind of went into. Reemerged a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And the kids grew up and began to be a little more able to do their own thing. And that's when I kind of started drawing what they were doing. Like I would draw a little, their little Halloween costumes or their, the things that they would find or, you know, like little leaves and bugs and stuff that we would have on the, or little cartoons. I used to draw them little cartoons and little characters and things. And, and they're just all in these old sketchbooks. So yeah, that's kind of where it started. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have all your sketchbooks? Most of them. I think there's some that are, um, you know, like in, in pieces, kind of in boxes, but I never, if I had a sketch, I usually didn't throw it away. Um, Yeah. Well, that's so cool. And -hmm. then you went, so when did you go to art school and what did you study specifically? I was in my late thirties and I studied sculpture because it felt like, 
quote unquote, there's the air quotes again, um, real, it felt like real art. Um, I never felt because it's so tangible, like truly it's like, it felt high art. It felt like uh, art. Um, and I didn't, and I was really intimidated by the drawing and painting. I didn't think I was good enough to be a drawer or a painter. Like, so I went really like I, I wasn't, I was completely self-taught in drawing and painting and I didn't have the best experience in the basic drawing courses. Um, you know, there was a lot of just at, at the art school that I went to at that time, it was, it was highly critical and not so much about building skill, but about breaking down young artists. And so, um, so I wound up in the sculpture department and that was really wonderful. I mean, I learned a lot about just about space and creating space and, and objects and what they mean. And, and in the long run, I use a lot of that, a lot of what I learned in sculpture to sort of build the space on the pages that I create in the books that I do. Um, and it, and I'm also very spatially oriented. So when I, when I'm in a place, I think about things that are, I think about things in a very spatial way, even now when I'm doing most, mostly painting and drawing after all that. (laughs) So, yeah. But it's like that ability to see things spatially that helped you to then go back almost in a way, return back to the drawing and painting. Is that? Yeah. And I could see it in a much different, in a different way. And so that's when I began to just kind of, kind of self-teach myself about painting and drawing. And, and that's why I think I, I gel so well with adult beginners because a lot of my students in these travel journaling classes, like they feel this call, like I would love to be able to sit and make a painted postcard to send mm, to my Like if friend. only I could do that. If yeah. only I could do it. And I know that feeling. And so mm. I can get right in under there and we can break it down and we can start with the very basics. And that's what I love. Like my favorite students are the adult beginners who think they can't do it. And it's just a matter of like, it's like excavation, you know, you just kind of dust them off and chink a few mm-hmm. of the doubts away. And, and it becomes this like magical thing when people are like, Oh, I, I actually made something that I think is sweet. You know, this is yeah. beautiful. Or, or you teach people that just because you made a drawing that you don't like, doesn't mean you can't, go in and rework, you know, that you can't change it or try Mm -hmm. it again, do an iteration, do it again, like take one thing and paint it 10 times and it changes. And one, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. Do, Do you, do you find that there is that adult beginner? I guess I just want to hear more about that because I think you're right. It's like somehow there's this feeling like, well, now I'm an adult. And if I didn't start this when I was eight, there's no hope for me. Right. With right. probably a lot of different things, but I think art, it's so vulnerable. And it's like, you feel like well, as an adult, what if I do a stick figure and it looks awful? I mean, tell yes. me more about what. Yeah. I think that we're, I, so I, I'm fascinated by this idea of um, there are silos, like where, where we label ourselves and we label each other. And that mm-hmm. labeling begins pretty early in the school setting. Like, oh, so-and-so's the sporty one. So-and-so's the arty one. So-and-so can sing really well. So-and-so's mm-hmm. good at math, you know? And, and instead of like, I think it's just tragic that we begin to only put the arty kids in the art classes and all the other kids are like, well, they're not arty, so they don't need the art class. But that's not right. true. I mean, the arts really, 
really function as ways to buoy up all the other subjects. Like you learn so Mm. much in theater classes and art classes and music classes that can be applied to working together and to seeing things for what they are and, and all this stuff. And, and so adult beginners, I, I think are just, they're just a product of this system that we've all been fed into, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I went to fairly traditional schools. I mean, very many different ones (laughs) over the years, but still mostly fairly traditional. And I'm just part of this kind of industrial complex of education and it's just not ideal. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important, especially in these dire times that we live in, that we just wake up and realize that you can learn to draw or you can learn to play a musical instrument, which I did. I started playing Irish music kind of around the same time I went to art school and was a total beginner, never had any, never had any musical training because I wasn't the musical one. Why did you... Yeah, so you thought it was off limits to you. <laughs> yeah. Why 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 Irish music? What about that? My for you? son was really into it. Um okay. he kind of picked it out. We still don't really know why. Like he was in Suzuki classes learning the, the violin and he just kept saying, I want to learn to play the Irish fiddle. And we're like, Where on earth did you pick this up? Like, but that's what he wanted. So we found a, a local school that that taught music and then I sat along with him in enough lessons and enough sessions that I began to really enjoy listening to the, the tunes and the patterns that they create. And as shy as I was about it, I picked up a whistle and started learning some tunes. And over the course of about, I mean, it's been about 15 years now, but I've, I've learned enough tunes that I can play with other people. And and it keeps me really humble. <laughs> so it, it reminds me, you know, like going into a new setting where I don't know the musicians and I don't feel confident in my own playing or whatever. It, it just reminds me of that vulnerability that we all feel when we're trying right. something new. And, and you know, to, to maintain that level of vulnerability um, in our mm-hmm. day-to-day is excruciating and crucial. So I think that both and (laughs) both and yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so we, we have to keep ourselves open. And I I think that, you know, doubling back around to education, like I think that the way that we were all educated, and I like to think that it's changing for some groups of children Mm -hmm. who are getting different opportunities, but I think the whole point is to shut people down, shut them down. Yeah, Yeah, I do. I do. I think it was. I don't think that's Mm -hmm. the case anymore. But the the original let's put kids in school, you know, was Mm -hmm. really like, well, we want them to be the right factory worker. So so you shut them down. You don't want somebody who's going to break the rules or think differently or daydream. Think outside the box, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't color outside the lines. Right. You know, follow the rules. Or, yeah, follow the rules. Or if you're gonna uh-huh. if you're gonna solve a math problem, you gotta solve it this way. Because just and because sh- you found show the your answer, work, right? Show your work. <laughs> right. Which yeah. I wasn't always good at showing my work. I might get to the answer eventually, but I was never a show your work kind of girl. And yeah. but and so, you know, and that's that's and that's one of the reasons I got into education is because I wanted to be the teacher, because we all have had those teachers that were they hadn't lost the twinkle, 
you know, right. like totally. they were the ones you could kind of after class be like, Hey, I made this drawing or Hey, what do you think about you, this? Yeah, yeah. Can you give me advice on whatever? Or we've all had those wonderful people who hadn't lost the twinkle. And I wanted mm-hmm. to, I wanted to be that teacher that hadn't yeah. lost the twinkle. So Oh, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's interesting too, that when you went back to art school was also the same time you did the, I guess like when we talked before, I didn't line that time frame up, but I hadn't really thought about it either. Yeah, it was, I think it was part of just this great kind of inner awakening of my own, you know, like my kids were old enough that I could go away for a week to sculpture camp, which is where I kind of made the decision to go to school. I was like, I could probably do this. Like I could take some evening classes or whatever. Like the kids were in school. So I could, I knew that I could take some classes and at least Mm -hmm. get part of it done. And, um, yeah, it was sort of my own waking up out of early motherhood, which had been Mm -hmm. a challenging time in a lot of ways, which I think it is for all moms, but Mm it's like a rediscovering of myself. So, and we had moved around a lot. We were a military family. And so So it was just nice to sort of settle in and, you know, find my community. Like I I met so many young artists and, um, and and they were all like 18, you know, here I was like 35 or 37, something like that. And I was meeting all these young kids with all these fantastic ideas and they were amazing because I, I've always loved that time of life, that early adulthood chaos. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's, so hard, but it's also so rich, you know, of all the possibilities and everything. And so it was just really cool to, to get to know them. And, you know, they became friends and got to know my kids and just kind of, it just became, I was like, oh, this is, I was looking for this aliveness, you know, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't finding it in my like fairly limited group of friends. And I just needed to kind of, I needed to open up my world a bit to other people. Wow. And so I did. So it was good. Wow. Yeah. Aliveness. What a word yeah. for that. Aliveness. Yeah. Vitality yeah. might be a more, a better word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Were there things you learned about? I mean, I'm sure learned a ton about yourself and expansion. And was it like some of that, that had always been there? Like you said, as that young kid, you know, coloring. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it all kind of came back it, up or was it more. It did and it didn't, um, you know, art school, art school's fraught with, um, a lot, like it's, it, in a lot of ways, it caused me to go even a little bit further underground because I learned like what the cool kids were doing. I mean, here I was in my thirties and I was still trying to fit in. I was still trying Mm -hmm. to like be cool. And then on the side was doing like little cartoons and little you know, it, and, and I've come to realize now, like that was all just my own insecurities. Like it's all, it's all good. If you're making it and it's art, it's all good. And I've learned that now, but I I couldn't do it then. So yeah, I think we're always, I think I, as a person needed to go to art school and get those letters behind my name in order to be able to confidently call myself an artist I no longer feel that way. I think the me now would be able to just go for it and not mm-hmm. worry about it. But I'm really glad I went to art school because it was it was important for me just as a person. I I needed yeah. it. It was almost like therapy. It was great. Yeah. So I can totally see that. So yeah. what did you start doing right after 
you finished art school. Is that I when got, you did? I got a proper studio and tried working on making, you know, like gallery level work. Um, yeah. And, and did get in a few little shows around town and whatever. And then, but I didn't like having the studio away from home. I'm really very much a home bird. Like I, I like kind of being in my own space. And so I gave that up after about a year and moved home into kind of an extra bedroom sort of situation and continued kind of writing and working and doing the, the sketchbooks. And I don't remember the exact timing, but it was fairly soon after that, that I started teaching just at the local community college, um, there, or the, there's a local art college that has a community education program. Um, oh, cool. yeah. and so I started doing the, the illuminated sketchbook idea there and that's where my classes kind of started. Um, and so I would just do like a little six week thing for a class of 10 and we would meet, you know, every week down at the, at the art Academy and, and do our thing. And all through that, a lot of them were like, well, when are you, when are we going to do like a destination? When are we going to like go somewhere? And, and so I had always had in my mind, like, I need to find the right place to, to go and teach these classes for, for like a week. But I never could think of where to go. And then one time I went to Taos, New Mexico with one of your former guests, Amy Malcolm. Um, She, she took me to Taos, New Mexico as a, as a birthday gift. And we stumbled upon this place called the Mabel Dodge Lewin house. And mm. it's an historic in conference center, um, a bohemian palace. I mean, it's just like the history of it is ridiculous. Like they, they got up to some crazy stuff back in the day. Um, <laughs> it was, it was owned by um, Dennis Hopper at one point. I mean, so you can imagine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but nowadays it's, it's a, it's a real center for creativity and arts workshops and meditation workshops and that kind of thing. And so it's just this beautiful place. And the minute I walked in, I was like, this is it. This, this is the place I just knew. Like you and just knew it in your body. Like you. I just, I, it was like, I got the shivers. I just knew it. And what was, what I didn't know was that there were people who taught there who were like proper artists, like the, and writers, like people who had like published books and, and sold great art and had, you know, a following. Like I had 25 people back in Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have like a, a following smaller or, following. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have. <laughs> I hear uh, you. Yeah. It yeah. just felt, but I didn't know any of that. Like I didn't know that, that these other people who taught the workshops were all that. And so that's good. Because I came home and just said to the Art Academy, like, I found the place we should do this, like, let's do a destination workshop. So under the umbrella of the Art Academy, I was able to, to make it happen. So wow. I taught for taught out in Taos for three years under the the umbrella of the Art Academy. So like they helped me with getting the word out and, you know, yeah. some marketing and that kind of stuff. So that was really wonderful. And then eventually there were kind of too many cooks in the kitchen. They have so many programs and classes and things. And that mine was occasionally getting, getting swept to the side, you know, like, uh, it's, it's the sort of class that needs to be worked 
on all year long. You kind of have to Mm -hmm. be feeding the fire of it all year long. And, and so I just took it over on my own and and we parted ways very amicably. They they were so wonderful. Um, and so I, I took over the majority of, of all of that, like the, the marketing and, and just, and honestly, it's been word of mouth over the years. Like I've tried, I've tried buying little online ads and whatever. And I've never gotten anything from that. It's always been people just Google like sketch journal workshop or travel journal or learn to watercolor or what, you know, like some kind of random Google search and, and I pop up. And so mm -hmm. had that, had that always been sort of the end goal of like, cause you said your students were kind of the ones that said, we gotta, we gotta go and do a destination. Did that plant the seed or was, was it something that you had always, that that was where you'd ultimately want to go or did it just kind of evolve? That's a really good question. I, I feel like the, the, my own work in my sketchbooks is always more compelling and juicy and possibly even more beautiful, like visually, um, Mm -hmm. when I'm traveling. So it's, it's when I, A, have time, you know, it's not, I'm not in my day to day and I'm in a place that I'm wide awake and looking at in with wide eyes, you know, instead of my like day to day. Um, but so my own work was more compelling in my own sketchbooks. So when I would show students like, okay, here's my sketchbook from the, and here's one dog drawing after another dog drawing after another dog drawing. Cause that's what I do a lot of in my own, my own books in my, in my sort of run of the mill sketchbooks. But then I would go to Maine or I would go to New Mexico or wherever. And I would have these beautiful pages with sketches of the ocean or flowers Mm -hmm. in the deserts or whatever. And so I think it was a combination of the fact that I knew my own work was more compelling when I was in centered in a beautiful place. And the fact that my students could see that in my books and they were excited to try it for themselves. So, yeah. yeah. So it, and then when, so was it like, then one of your students said that and you were like, yeah, why aren't we doing this a destination? Or were you, was that kind of percolating for I kinda, you? It was always kind of percolating. I always thought, yeah, if I could, if I could, you know, get a group of 10 people to, who wanted yeah. to go to New Mexico or wherever, yeah. like I, yeah. I had always thought I would do it up in Maine. Um, but you know, Maine's kind of like family vacation and I, I had never really explored where to go up here, but, um, maybe someday. I'd like to do one yeah. up here. So, yeah. Wow. So what, like, walk, can you walk us through what is that like? I mean, probably every group you take, it's different, but. Absolutely. Like, I, I want to hear so much about this. Yeah. So every group is different. Um, I, I realized through all this that my teaching background um, really did a good job preparing me to be a teacher. Of, of sure. this kind of, you know, where I'm building the the whole thing from the ground up, the curriculum and everything. But it's so much about holding the space. Like there's, there's a real, I, I don't think people realize what it takes to, to put on like a, a week long workshop or a, a month long retreat or mm-hmm. whatever. There's so much that goes into it. And, and some of it is, you know, sort of uh, nuts and bolts like food and travel and, you know, that kind of stuff. But so much of it is also kind of that woo-woo energy side of it. You're like literally building a basket 
to put people mm. in, you know, and, and so, and, wow. it, and it all, be, it all begins with like, the, even the emails that go back and forth between myself and my prospective students, I, I want right. there to be some element of magic to that. And so I begin kind of feeding the, the group dynamic from the beginning with a kindness and an openness and a, uh, just sort of an expectation of depth in it all. Mm, and then, yeah. and so I get everybody to, to meet up. I, I was advised by someone at, at Mabel's who was very wise, who said, when I was building my first class, they said, just remember you're teaching a workshop. You're not a travel agent because mm. I think they had seen a lot of people who like tried to do the air, the vans, the, this, the, that. And they're like, you just tell people you meet me at Mabel's at this time, like you get yourself there, you get you yourself adult. there. Yeah. You're an adult. Yeah. And that was really good advice. Um, and so, yeah, so people yeah. get themselves to the place. Some choose to come a day or two early. Some literally are skating in, you know, with their hot spring garb <laughs> on, you know, they're like literally coming in all sunburned, like, oh, I'm here, <laughs> you know, I made um, it. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so we meet up usually on a Sunday night and have like a bit of, bit of bubbly. And I kind of walk people around and we have an introduction and, and I, I set the tone of, of what's expected because we're Mabel's is right on the edge of native land out there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Taos, Taos Pueblo land. And so I'm always really careful to make sure that people know that that is to be, that boundary is to be respected. We're not going jogging out back there. Like that's not right. your place. Um, and so, yeah. So, and then we don't really begin doing any work until Monday morning. And so, so then the whole rest of the week is Monday through Friday is class time, um, littered with plenty of time for meals and downtime and rests mm -hmm. and whatever. But I, I sort of balance, um, a bit of demonstration with a bit of suggested ex exercises. I always kind of treat it as like, a, a smorgasbord, like you can take what you want here. You do not have to attend every little thing. Like, because mm -hmm. the skills are often very different. I often have accomplished artists who just kind of want to be in the space all the way down to somebody who's never picked up a paintbrush. So wow. I have to balance. And I do have a few exercises that will take the people who know what they're doing into kind of new territory on, and will also bring the newbies into where they've made something that when you lay them all down, they all look kind of comparable. There's some but that's amazing do. to be able to like I how I'm just like I've never done anything like that. But I, how you even prepare to teach such a broad audience or to have a curriculum that can be yeah. inclusive and meaningful for all that it might be a bit do. of a tightrope walk. Yeah, <laughs> I I I also don't ask people to bring specific supplies. I tell them, I give them a broad range. I give them suggestions for things mm -hmm. that I like brands and stuff that I like for supplies, but I tell people to bring what they want to bring. And then mm -hmm. we work with what they have. And oh, that's, that's cool. one of the, that's one of the most fun things is like, you've got like 12 different sets of watercolors and what do each, what does each set do? And, and, you know, there's no humidity out there. And so just approaching a watercolor set in zero humidity is like a challenge. And so we just kind of, we meet the challenges together 
like each little yeah. artistic problem, we kind of meet together. And, and then by the end of the week, we have all of these books that are completely different from one another, because I did not want a class where people show up and they make a book that looks just like mine. Right. And where it's all not the a books number. Right? Yes. Or a, what was the wine, you know, the wine paint by the glass oh, or whatever. Yeah. 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 Sipping and I didn't, or yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't want that. I wanted people. I'm very passionate about people uncovering their own internal visual voice. Like mm-hmm. I always say, like, you know, when you, when you call a friend and they pick up, you know, it's them because it's their voice. Like you can hear who they are. And you know, if it's their, their kid or their husband, you know, it's not them because it's a different voice. And I feel like we all have that visually. We have that mm-hmm. in our drawings and even the very most beginner people can develop that really quickly. And yeah. we've in, you know, in our, in our art system where we don't really get people to continue drawing and painting, we lose that. We forget that we've got that like we can make our own Christmas cards we can mm-hmm. send a painted postcard like we, we don't have to buy into the fact that our little drawings aren't any good because with a little bit of practice and a little bit of work everybody can make something like we're not mm-hmm. all Vincent Van Gogh but it, w- w- he had his own visual voice we don't you know mm-hmm. we can learn That's from it. trying to emulate him like there's, there's a great, there's a, like when you try to not copy, but you work in the, in the way of someone like studying mm-hmm. a painting and trying to reproduce it in your own sketchbook, that's great exercise. And that will teach you something and it will mm-hmm. lead you to doing your own work more fully, but that's different than like, quote unquote, copying, which I, right. I'm not into copying, but like tracing or trying out things like other artists do is a great way to learn and you'll find it's hard (laughs) you know yeah oh my gosh yeah what does the physical space and can you speak more about what either the energy I mean yeah like there even just because you've gone in other locations too and if you want to compare a couple maybe that would be interesting but just wondering like what that energy of a place does and the the visual and how you kind of tie that all into the art and the travel journal. Yeah. So, so Mabel's is absolutely just, well, I mean, New Mexico, it's, it's high up. It's about 7,000 feet or so. And so the light there is really, really beautiful. So everything just mm-hmm. kind of like, um, I can't even think of the word. It sort of sparkles or like crackles crackles with like a strange light um but it's all like Mabel's house is is where a lot of people stay and where our dining room is in the kitchen it's very old it was built in the early 1900s and and in fact the original structure was even older than that they don't really know how old it was it was an old adobe structure which they kind of added on to and so it feels very cave-like it's it's an adobe house so even if it's blazing hot outside you can come in and the walls are really thick and and it just feels very womb-like it's very protected Mm. um and so there's there's that and the the floors kind of creak you know when you walk on them there's wooden floors that creak and so it's really lovely and then the classroom space um I think that building was built sometime in the eighties, maybe. 
and it's all on the same kind of campus and it has lovely tall ceilings and, and loads of light and it's just really beautiful. And I always spend a little bit of time getting the tables set up. So everybody has kind of a place to sit and there's like a, a Kiva styled fireplace in there with, mm-hmm. I usually put flowers. I create kind of almost like a little altar almost to, oh, to light cool. candles and whatever. So there's like a center where someone finds a feather, they can come bring it in and, and it just mm. sort of anchors the room. So yeah, again, like creating that space. Um, but it, it's, it, it is quite magical, Mabel's. It, it really is. It's mm. got a real, a real vibe. And I, I think that there's something that artists and writers and meditators do. Like, you know how that, that feeling when you walk into like a church or a, mm-hmm. you know, a meditation center that has had a lot of that work happen yeah. in it, it feels different. You know, it, mm-hmm. it has, and I, I think Mabel's has that because so many people have put so much into the space creatively and, and intentionally that it's yeah. become that, that you can kind of just feel the, the love like in the place. Yeah. yeah. There's a real sacredness to it. And, and I teach another class in um, Antigua, Guatemala, and that whole city has a similar vibe. It's absolutely mm. beautiful. And it's, um, we stay in a little, a little inn, a posada that is like filled with all kinds of eclectic bits of collected ephemera. <laughs> um, Cause the, the guy who owns it is quite the collector. So there's, there's things in all sorts of corners of just strange, like a collection of old fashioned telephones or, oh, really? That's or a collection of, of like um, little, those little tin enameled cups just a whole bajillion of them mm. or little, little shoe forms, like um, the kind that you would use to, that cobblers would use to create shoes, all different sizes, just kind of laying really? all in a little row. So it's a great place to go with artists because you can yeah. sit down and you've got like an immediate still life and they right. let us kind of rearrange things and whatever. And we, we sort of spend a lot of time in there drawing, but we also get there out in town a lot. We go out in town yeah. and, and draw and sketch and, it's really mm. fun because sometimes, you know, you'll meet little kids who don't know a lick of English, but they, they want to like stand over your shoulder and watch you draw, which is wow. really kind of cool. So it's a neat way to interface with, with the locals. And yeah, so that's, that's a pretty cool. special place as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I imagine probably as you've done this now, and of course, everyone's work intentionally looks different, but it'd be interesting to see even like the color palettes and like what energy comes from, you know, being that's, in those spaces. Yeah, that's funny you say that because one of the first things that I do when I'm in a new place is I'll just do a page of color swatches. Like mm-hmm. I won't even try to like draw the ocean or draw the the bird or whatever, I will sit and just sit with the colors. Like I'll just be mixing colors on my watercolor palette and just try to match like the gray of the ocean today is this. Well, maybe it's not quite that it's this. And I'll do like five little squares trying to match kind of the temperament of the ocean that day. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, and every, every sky is going to be different. Like not only Mm -hmm. every day, but just depending on where you are, like the sky in Taos is just the most incredible blue and it's just a different blue than you'd see anywhere else. And then in in Antigua, there's quite often a bit of haze from the volcanoes there and, and the 
diesel pollution. (laughs) So, so their sky is going to be very different. And so just even spending the first day that you're in a place, just kind of studying the colors is one way to, to just begin being wide awake. Mm-hmm. So. And present. And, and, and present. Yeah. yeah. It's, it really is all about becoming present. Like we're all so trained to whip out the iPhone and then just keep going. Right. And, you know, the, and be, the yeah, be productive. Yeah. And the thing about, yeah, yeah, the thing about drawing and painting is it's slow. It takes time. It takes commitment, both from yourself and from, you know, your poor family who might be like, seriously, again, <laughs> you're sitting down again. <laughs> so I've had to balance that over the years. But I will say that yeah. my my husband, Tony, has become quite the sketch journaler. He's sort of in the, um, he's sort of in the, if you can't beat him, join him. Join him. Yeah. And <laughs> I he, love that. Yeah. And he has. And he's got his own practice now, sketching and and wow. keeping a nature journal, and and his work's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, he's I'm so proud of him. So, so wow. he's and he's someone who would not consider himself a quote artist. You know, he yeah. he didn't train to be an artist. He doesn't want to be an artist, but he has learned over time that all you have to do is practice. Well, Amy, I'm so curious if you could share more about some of the feedback that participants from your travel journey classes have shared or what that, I mean, of course it's a personal experience, but what have, what have you heard about that from, from your participants? Well, that is a really good question because in the beginning, I really just kind of treated it like what it is on the surface, which is you go to a pretty place, you catalog your experiences in a little book with some basic drawing materials and skills, and you have a lovely little souvenir. And what I've come to realize over, which is all very true, but what I've come to realize over the years is that this, just this, the presence of this work, just the doing of it is so much more than making pretty pictures. It's, it's really deep kind of come to your center work. And the more I realized that, the more I've kind of fostered that by adding, I I do a lot with poetry and quotes now from sort of the greater Mm. thinkers and writers. I'll, um, I have like a, in the classroom, I have a, a rotating whiteboard of quotes that are sort of somehow tied to whatever thing we're trying to do at the moment, you know, clouds, skies, shadow, light, dark, et cetera. And, and people can add those into their books if they're compelled to, but, but I've had people over the years do wild things in their own personal lives, um, that they might not have done had they not gone on the trip. And whether that's my class or just the magic of Taos, New Mexico, I don't know, but there's something that happens in these classes where people feel like they've woken up to themselves. And Mm -hmm. I've had divorces, I've had job changes, I've had people having difficult conversations with people who needed some boundaries made, you know, just it's, it, I, it puts people straight to their core, like they center in themselves, and then suddenly they're able to sort of redirect themselves in the world at large instead of just being the flotsam and jetsam that we all can be in this like really complicated world it just grounds people and I've learned that through my own practice if the more I'm writing and drawing and painting and playing music the more centered and grounded 
I am in my own self. And yeah. so then you get into the, then you get into the idea of that this is a, this is really a, me- a meditation. Like this is a spiritual practice and, and I am no guru. I'm not, you know, I, I have a personal meditation process that I do in, in the daily, but, but I, you know, I'm just a beginner and, mm-hmm. and, but I, I recognize this work for the, the deep pool that it is. I mean, it's just such deep work. So in the more recent years, I've, I've really begun honoring it in that way and allowing the quiet around it. You know, I used to sort of like skate in kind of last minute um, and, and just do the job. And now I make sure that I have a few days on either side of mm. each trip to sort of center my own self so that I can hold right. that, hold that container because it's important. Um, and I, and I really feel like the, the more deep that work is, the better people are going to be able to go out in the world and do what needs to be done in the world. Like, I mean, let's face it, we're in deep trouble as a world. And Mm -hmm. I don't just want to make pretty pictures. Like we've got a job to do. And, you know, I've been sitting a lot in this last year with what can my work do to serve the times that we're in? How, how does this work do that. And what it does is it carries people back to their center and allows them to pay attention, good or bad, to what is really happening. Like the, we mm-hmm. have to wake up. And that level of attention is what is needed. And we're going to also need some serious creativity, some serious creative problem solving. And right. so, so this work as I do it is is my contribution to waking people up and the more mm-hmm. people can be awoken and, and not, not only to the beauty, but to the heartbreak, the, right. the better off we're all going to be it. all of it. And we're, we're also, we're also so inundated and barraged with social media that we've lost our own way. And right. this is another way to rebel against that is to, you know, if you're sitting with your sketchbook, you're not scrolling through Instagram and nothing right. against scrolling. It's a great way to pass no. 10 minutes, but, oh yeah, but, but it's, it's important that we don't lose ourselves because that's what's happening. We're losing ourselves. We're losing the world and it's heartbreaking. And I was, you know, what's coming up for me and this maybe isn't a fully formed thought is that you could say the most important thing in our lives is continuing to learn our own selves, to come to our own center, like you said. And at the same time, how infrequently we do that for a lot of us. Yeah, Um, I think that's really true. And it's painful. It's painful mm -hmm. when you haven't done it. And, and if you find something like meditation or, or like the practice that I teach, and, and it brings you back to yourself. It can be scary and it can be painful. And like I said, I've mm-hmm. had, I've had students who take my class who have upended their lives, but truly, yeah, truly, but in so doing people are leading their best lives now in a lot of ways. And, and it is life-changing work. I mean, I don't say mm-hmm. that lightly and I, I don't say it as a yay me kind of thing. It, it just, I recognize mm-hmm work for what it is and I the fact that I'm a steward of this work like it it chose me somehow (laughs) and and I 
I mean, I, tr- you know, I tried to ignore it. I tried to going to sculpture school to learn to make things to put in galleries, but that work was always <laughs> there. And that was the work that people would quietly ask about you know, on the sidelines. Oh, so and so I eventually followed it and here we are. And and now that we're in these really dire times, you know, and, and the pandemic gave me a lot of time to think cause I wasn't teaching or anything. And, um, right. and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to write it all down in a, a book, which will hopefully eventually be a thing in the world because I think the world needs more, more things of beauty. I so, do too. Can you say, can you say more about, Yes. Can you say more about your book? <laughs> well, right now it's it's just in the gathering phase. I have um, like 15 years of a blog over on on my website. And um, so I've been kind of writing about all this stuff for years, but I've never really gone in and and sought out a structure. And so I, mm-hmm. I've, I've always known that there was a book somewhere in there. You know, I've, I've dabbled in the idea of children's stories and I, but I've never been able to, to firmly sit down a, an idea. And this is the first time that I've, I'm like, Oh, I might be onto something with this idea of cultivating personal creativity and really kind of training our, our attention. I mean, we, it's like a workout. You have to train the attention. And so, so that's what the book's going to be. I don't, I think it'll be a little bit of how to, a little bit of my illustrations here and there, but mostly a philosophical unpacking of, of why, you know, why, Mm. why undo this stuff, like why open up this stuff and why it's important. And so, so it's really kind of going to be probably a series of essays uh, circling around that theme, that overall theme. Well, yeah. and obviously that topic is huge and it's enough for a book or yeah. arguably well, it's enough for books, an, probably an entire yeah, section of books in the yeah. bookstore, but, but yeah. I hope to add my voice to that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Could you share, like maybe just give a tidbit of two or two of, you know, what might be the topic of one essay or something about oh. creativity because... And I, yeah. I know it's like a hard, big thing to try that to. That is a hard, big thing. I think that at the heart of creativity, if we want to be more creative, we want to be kind of eyes wide open. And that just means having a sort of open hearted approach to the world, you know, just the mm-hmm. sort of a notion of, of curiosity about things like we, we, we've all forgotten to just wonder, like, what's under that stone? Or, or what's, you know, why is that mushroom growing this way and this mushroom's growing that way? Like we've, we've forgotten about like why weather patterns are the way they are, you know, or what, Mm -hmm. what do certain clouds, why do certain clouds, why are they shaped the way they are, you know, and just, and, and I think drawing in place, drawing clouds or mushrooms or trees, begins to ask you like, well, why is it shaped like that? And it gives you this sense of curiosity and which then kind mm-hmm. of you, you go into the world asking more whys. I mean, you know, I, I know that we used to tell kids like, don't ask so many questions, you know, I, know. I like to think that we're now answering some of those questions for kids, you know, yeah. like stop asking why, because the four-year-olds in us want to know why. And I, I think right. that's the thing is, is, um, yeah, I haven't fleshed this one out, but, but just cultivating curiosity 
and yeah. and also the the idea of travel i know that travel is is such a carbon suck in in this world and so it's a it's a delicate balance like how do you how do you allow the 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 beauty and the mind blowing capacity of travel to continue to exist in a world that that is in a climate crisis so mm-hmm. um i'm still rectifying a bit of that myself sure. but yeah. but i think it's I think that sometimes when you travel, you can shift your own mindset enough that you go home to your own space, a changed person willing to make local change and to do things differently on, on your own day to day. And so that's where it's, so I'll tackle some of that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The word that I kept coming back to when you were talking was like a wonderment, having like a wonderment. Wonderment. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What do you think? I mean, where do you think creativity comes from? Is it all within us? I think we are born inherently, we're born inherently creative. I mean, yeah. we, you just watch kids on a playground and they are, they're building things and, and creating games and plays and out of nothing, you know, like give a, kid a, yeah. give a kid a cardboard box and some markers and you've got an airplane. Like we, mm-hmm. we all have that. And I, I'm fascinated by where and how and when that sort of gets washed out of us. And, and I, I'm curious to, to get adults playing again. I think that we lose as be, in becoming adults, we're somehow trained to be, to become these people who know it all. You know, we've, yeah. we've got all the answers and that somehow and being is supposed so serious to... sometimes too. Yes, Sorry, exactly. And, and I just think, I think if we could learn to play more and laugh more and not take ourselves mm-hmm. so seriously, that can, can get those, those juices flowing a bit. And, yeah. and then you're tapping into, it's like this tap root, you know, that kind of goes down and, and hits that river of like that undercurrent of curiosity and creativity and the muse you could call it. I I don't know, but, Mm -hmm. but I think that we all have that capacity to, to drill down and, and tap into that endless, endless source, whatever that source is. You could call it God if you wanted to, but it's like this river of all the ideas and all of the positivity and good feelings that you can get from making something in the world. I mean, really at the end of the day, People are born and they just want to be seen. They just want to say, I made a difference in this world. I made something. And to encourage people to make something, even if it's just a page in a sketchbook, it's helping them say, I was here for a small moment in time. And this is my offering. And so we all need to be offering more, I think in the world. So, so it's oh, just a so way. Powerful. <laughs> it is. I, and I, I like want you to do a drawing. Maybe you've done this, but of that visual of trying to kind of tap into that. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do one after we talk and you can put it in the show notes maybe. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'd love it. Cause that is just such a beautiful image. And I think thinking of it like that, yeah. How do we cultivate and, and, drop in and and find some of that and that we can all do it not just these selected creative selective artistic people it's for all I love it yeah I agree and I think you know getting back to the idea of of 
meditation, you know, in theory, everyone should be doing some form of meditation. You know, that'd be great. And and wouldn't it be lovely if everybody sat cross-legged for 10 minutes in quiet, you know, in their quiet selves. But that's not necessarily everybody's cup of tea. And mm-hmm. so maybe just encouraging that quiet noticing. Like what I what I teach is a quiet noticing. And that is a form of meditation, which is different from like turning on the stereo and making a mad painting, which is another lovely way to be creative. Mm-hmm. But right. but the practice that I teach in the sketchbooks is just this quiet noticing and therefore it is kind of a form of meditation and a form of coming back to yourself. And, Mm -hmm. and in that way, not just coming back to yourself, but then losing yourself at the same time, which is that, that being, being one with everything, but not being just one being everything. So if that makes any sense. um, Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's one little, little thread in a, a grand rope <laughs> of, right. of a meditative way, of a way to sort of be just a little more wide awake in the world. Mm-hmm. So. Wide awake. I love that. Yeah. Well, I this is an amazing conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for like hours and hours and hours and hours. But <laughs> we'll uh, have to do it again. <laughs> well, but tell, tell us how we can find your blog, how we can see your paintings. Yeah. So like I said, I have a blog, uh, www.amybogard.com. Bogard is with a D. Um, and there's a ton of content on there. I have recently moved platforms and I'm doing a lot over on Patreon, um, which is a, for anybody who doesn't know, you can support artists with, on my thing, you can do it for as little as a dollar a month and access all the latest blog posts. And then there's some special stuff for people who pledge more. But um, I, I began to kind of think about art and value and money and everything during the pandemic, I wasn't making any money through the art because I wasn't mm-hmm. teaching. Um, sure. and I still had to pay my tech guy, still had to pay my bills, you know? So, exactly. so I started the Patreon page and it's been, it's been really great. It's caused me to kind of really think a lot about how we value work like this in the world. And that's, that's a conversation for a whole other podcast. But, um, so I am on Patreon at, Amy Bogard over there as well. But you can get a sense of all the work and see a lot of the paintings and a lot about the, you can see all about the classes that I teach over on my blog for free so that there's no paywall there. Yeah. Wow. Because what if probably everyone's going to want to look at how they could... Yeah. I want to go on one of those trips. Oh, that you should. Amazing. You should. I will say that, um, you know, I don't know when this is coming out, but there are a few slots left in the second week of the Guatemala trips. I do two back to back just to save on the flying. Um, yeah. And so those are available for next um, late February, early March for next year. Okay. Awesome. And then the Taos class um, opens up for whatever spaces are left in first week of September. I always offer those that class to my students from this past year and also from the ones who couldn't make it due to the pandemic. So th- they will have first dibs, but that's a bigger okay. space and a bigger class. So there, there's often quite a bit of room for anybody who might wanna, wanna come along for 2022. And that'll be those, that class will be in the first week of June first or second week of June 
2022. So, well, thank you for all that you shared, and I hope everyone checks out your blog and your the Patreon page as well. Um, And maybe we'll have you back on for more. We could probably do so many. (laughs) We could. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening. Please leave a review and share with a friend. And if you're enthusiastic about something and want to share it, please contact me at michelle at enthusiasmdiaries.com.